0: This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, aka the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca.
1: This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash Live Your Screen Scene Podcast.
0: Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani Firminger. And today, I am delighted to welcome Osric Chow to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast.
1: Thank you for having you, Sabrina. I, I had the pleasure of just watching you—you you change to podcast voice. Oh, <laughs> That's amazing. I'm going to go
0: back into it for the rest of the intro. Oh my gosh! Okay. Now, Osric doesn't know this yet, but today he's going to help me solve a mystery
1: oh i love puzzles
0: yeah yeah okay well let me rewind okay today is i'm sorry you
1: (laughs) i also like riddles
0: i know and i just so funny because most people just like sit sit there and wait until i'm done the intro you know and you're like no i want to be oh i'm responding i didn't realize this was the intro okay i'm sorry (laughs) no it's fine i love it audience participation. i you know as i said i've done this 275 times so let's mix it up Okay. okay Today is the first day that I'm meeting Osric, but I am not a neophyte when it comes to his work. I'm a fan. Obviously, I loved his work as Kevin Tran, a high school student turned ghost turned prophet on Supernatural, and as Vogel, a member of the quartet known as the Rowdy Three. Think about that for a minute. A quartet known as the Rowdy Three on Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. I've also loved him in decidedly non-genre fare, like when he played Charles in Blood and Water, the first television drama series produced for a Chinese Canadian audience that mixed dialogue in English, Cantonese, and Mandarin. Osric won a Leo Award for best supporting performance by a male in a dramatic series for this role. And I remember the night he won because his look was iconic. (laughs) And I have like one, two, three. There are like nine Cs I've written for iconic. 10 out of 10, A+, plus, no notes. I will share a photo on, on uh, the YVR screen scene Insta. So go there to see a photo of Osric from the 2016 Leo Awards. All right. Osric has also had great roles in Star Trek Discovery, Nancy Drew, Christmas at the Golden Dragon, with friend of the podcast, Markin Tereshuk, and The Flash. I've even loved him in work that most of you haven't even seen yet, namely Van City, the proof of concept about a group of up-and-coming actors in Vancouver that Brady Roberts and Sachin Sahel told us about in the fall. Osric is equally adept at comedy and drama, at being a supportive member of an ensemble, ensemble while still shining on his own. I'm also a fan of the fact that Osric wears a lot of different hats. He's a producer. He's a writer and director. Osric, I have a bone to pick with you because I watched your short film, Good News, this morning right at that desk over there. The film is about newlyweds who have very different reactions to a pregnancy. And I just sat there and I (laughs) wept. If there's anything wrong with my eye makeup, that's on you, friend. Azar has been a restaurateur. He's spoken out about acts of hatred against Asian Canadians and Asian Americans. There has been an increase here in Vancouver of reported acts of hatred against Asian Canadians in the city, an increase of 3,000%. And that's just the reported ones. It's probably a lot more. And so these voices really matter uh, in terms of bringing attention to that. So. There is clearly a lot to Azra Chow. I
1: I see why people wait for the intro now.
0: (laughs) I'm literally, yeah. I've got questions. Okay. Who is he? How does he see himself? How did we get here? And where does he want to take us next? We'll explore all of that. Probably a little bit more. I'm feeling the energy already. Cool. Is that
1: the puzzle that we're trying to Today, figure out? That is. That- is uh, yes. Uh, okay. Now you're going
0: to let me welcome you to the podcast? Yes. Azar awesome. Chow. Welcome to the wide Thank Spring you for State
1: having podcast. me, Sabrina. <laughs> I, what a you did lovely quiet intro. down a little I, bit, I, right? I did. I did. I did. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you introduced me in ways that I don't think of myself. You know, I, I think... I don't think of anything that I've done as things that I'm doing. And so it almost feels like I start with a fresh slate every time and I have that experience that, you know, like all of the past projects I do in my mind was school, right, yeah. those are classes I took. And now like the the real challenge is up ahead. And the so next I,
0: thing, it's always about the next it's thing. It's
1: always the next thing. and I And I enjoy the process of doing it. It's not that I'm like, I have to hit the next target. It's just like, this is the puzzle that I'm trying to piece together for the next thing and how can i use all the experiences that i've gained to kind of tackle this challenge
0: That doesn't really help me in my mystery though of trying to figure figure you out what just, the puzzle is if I, you're like i did it there's always a puzzle
1: i told you i like to do puzzles <laughs> and i i do them pretty quickly <laughs> well there you go I suck the fun out of puzzles so if
0: i have to squish you into a box though or if i'm gonna choose like the uh write a little bio line underneath one of the various social media accounts like how how would i describe you how do you describe yourself
1: um trying to learn everything, but I constantly fail.
0: (laughs) I don't see that category on the IMDb.
1: (laughs) I don't, Um, I I think, I mean, acting is kind of where I, you know, that's my my bread and butter, right? That's where I kind of built a career. But I think my, my day to day is more producing at Mm. this point. Like everything that I'm doing is like, how do I get the next project up off the ground? Whether it be, you know, scripted, unscripted series, animation, video game. Um, there, there's so many like restaurants, there's so many random endeavors and it all falls back under the producing banner. Mm. And and what is producing at the end of the day? It's just solving problems. Right. And which is why I, I do love puzzles because It is a problem to be solved. How does this picture look like? Sometimes you have something to follow. Most of the time in film and TV, you you don't really have a template to follow. So you just have to look at the pieces that you have, start putting them together until an image starts appearing. And then you realize like, oh, I need to find this piece, that piece, and then I will have a dog. Right.
0: I would like to push back a little bit. Or add to it because it's you're not just produce like solving problems. You're also creating as well. Like everything that you're talking about is about putting something else out into the world. You know, which is like that big picture that you're talking about, the literal picture. Yeah, I want to do a puzzle. Maybe I should have a podcast where we like do puzzles Puzzles while we're talking. I mean, we could just do yeah.
1: (laughs) i'll say like the the first um a, as a minority actor this was one of the the issues that i faced growing up i you know i was a fairly early generation of minority actors back when there weren't any and mm. one of the first pieces of advice that i got was like hey you want to be an actor that's great right family believes in you 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 know you're a good looking kid you got some talent you should move to asia where they cast asian people right mm. and that was like coming from a place of love and belief and like ah mm. oh, you're right. <laughs> they are. Yeah. I can't name any Asian actors here. Why would I think it's even possible? And so I, I did eventually end up moving to Asia for a little bit. Um, and then I came back and I started working and it was kind of like, okay, it's actually possible to make a career here. But the the auditions are still f- few and far between. You yeah. know, my my Caucasian counterparts would audition like three to five times a day sometimes. And I would be lucky if I got like one every two weeks.
0: And what were the roles that you were reading for yeah. at that time? Uh, Did they have names?
1: I I had gotten to a place where I had kind of established myself. So I, you know, I got to play like the bigger roles, right? So, you know, I I graduated from like teen gangsters um, and like delivery boys to, to like, technician and like best friend and supporting roles that could go you know this was at the early stages of like hey we definitely want diversity and so you see you know in the colors of benton in the audition room but mm-hmm. you would later find out that they did eventually hire the white guy anyways but it, w- it was like the beginnings of that right and so there was a lot of like resentment and bitterness and and i was you know i was looking at the the generation ahead of me like wondering, like, hey, like, when are you, like, you guys who have like, succeeded, like, when are you gonna do something for the rest of us, like, create something? Yeah. And then I had a, a moment with um, with an up and coming Asian actor who who looked up to me, and we kind of, we had a brief conversation, and I realized that he was waiting for me to do something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, we're all waiting for someone. Yeah. I'm like, okay, then I need to break the cycle and start because if I'm just complaining, and this was a moment I realized. I'm just complaining for someone to do something and I'm not doing something that kind of makes me a hypocrite and I don't want to be that yeah so so I changed my behavior and I'm like okay this is a problem to be solved now if I want more things to happen for myself for my community how do I solve that problem it was years of learning how to produce something years of failing years of making really bad projects to the point where I recognized what a good one might look like Mm. and like and then just working backwards from there
0: And bringing your community with you. I mean, watching Good News today, like we had some friends of the pod in there, but we've had on the on the pod. Yeah, we've had, um, I even saw Viv Leacock and his son, you know, in there as well. But can we just take a step back though and talk about, I mean, it's not just about like in my view, and I've spent a lot of time in the anti-racism space and I sit around, literally I like going to sleep at night. This is one of the things I ponder as I fall asleep. Is like, how do we like, how do we break down white supremacy in our industry? And but it's really about kind of it's it's not just about breaking it down like part of the process has to be also like explaining what the the negative ramifications are you know like why is it bad like what is it like to grow up and I know the answer to this because I've been there what is it like <laughs> to grow to grow up in you know the Western society not seeing people who look like you or your family or your friends on. TV, you know, and in film, like, or video games, like, or or if you see them, they're, you know, you know, th- they are these very limited kind of roles. And every, like, for me, my dad's from India, you know, and it's like, I, does it always have to be, you know, a um, Apu from The Simpsons, you know, and, <laughs> and that's, and, and, you know, and that's the, st- the stereotype, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think it limits our, our, our brain's imagination sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, here's an anecdote from when I was a kid. We used to play, um, I was probably five or six, we're running around on the playground with a bunch of other kids and we would assign each other roles. And like, even back then, I would not be like the main character of what, uh, like the Power Rangers, whatever, you know, like I would always be the supporting character. And like, in my mind, it made sense. In their mind, it made sense because we'd never seen it. Right. Yeah. This was just the, the way of the world. And we kind of all accepted that. And you know i it, it's kind of like you're a, you know you're a, a frog in a boiling pot you don't really realize until it's too late and yeah. I, I think i grew up like identifying myself as the chinese kid you know whenever we did a social studies presentation i would represent china and be like this is my culture these are the things that i eat my mom makes me this this is my heritage and like i was like very like very like i i just thought of myself as the chinese kid very mm-hmm. chinese And then I moved to China and the first day I'm like, oh, I am not Chinese. Yeah, This is my heritage, but my culture is so North American. Mm. Right? And it it was such a big moment of realization for me that like the thing that I thought my entire life was just completely wrong. And I mean, I I would just say like if I were a smarter kid back then, I probably never would have pursued acting because there wasn't a viable path. Mm. Right? Like if I took the time to think like okay what other Asian actors have done it you know there wasn't any yeah right I I, mean very 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 I couldn't I couldn't name any like oh yeah Jackie Chan Jet Li you know but they're all in Asia yeah like okay that's why I moved to Asia I'm like oh yeah that that does make sense you should go to Asia then because they don't exist here right and so I think just being able to like imagine yourself as a lead character as an actor as a director you know to the point where your parents, your family will be like, oh, that is actually a viable career path. Mm. I don't have to hold on to the idea that you will be an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor anymore because I actually see that as viable, right? I think yeah. that's huge. And I I was very lucky to have very supportive Uh, parents and family and even though they didn't understand they saw that i was super stubborn and i was going to listen to them anyways but they saw that this was something that i was really passionate about pursuing yeah you know i have so many friends who did not get that same uh leeway with their their family and even though they really want to do a certain thing they couldn't because you know they had to do 10 years of a degree you know a PhD first and then they could pursue Mm -hmm. acting and then they're like okay well we tried this for two years didn't work out so I'm but I have a PhD I'm like well you know you just set yourself up for failure yeah you 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 told me you just put 10 years into plan b for your parents you put two two years into your like your dream your plan a and that didn't work out therefore you're gonna go back to the 10-year plan b like of course like it was always gonna be that way yeah. Right. You never gave yourself the chance to even succeed. Yeah. Like if I wanted to be a doctor, per se, and I go out there and and I try to be a doctor and everyone's like, well, do you go to med school? I'm like, "What's med school.
0: <laughs> right.
1: I, I like I think a lot of people look yeah. at acting and the film industry in the same way. Like people come in and they're like, well, I want to be an actor. I'm like, well, have you have you done any training? Have you worked on your craft? I'm like, wait, what, what, there's schools for this. Like, yeah. In the same way that I wouldn't want you to operate on me if you didn't go to med school and you had a lot of training, I don't, you know, I wouldn't want you to act if you're just coming off the street either. Yeah. Yeah right like sometimes that does happen You, I, you know, I hope it never happens in the medical field but
0: gosh I hope that too yeah let but- me just say that for the record <laughs> yes I, I I, hope never to be operated on or deal with a medical professional who's not been to a medical school yes yeah but
1: it, it does happen in the film industry so I get I understand why people can think like oh yeah you just get discovered and then you're famous and then you know things happen like yes but that's you're still trying to win the lottery if that's your game plan
0: yeah and I'm a minority act Actors, BIPOC actors, you know, really don't have the opportunity to, and like, I, I, did you feel this as well? There's no opportunity to even make a mistake. Of course not. Yeah. Because
1: like, we're trying to, I mean, it's a systemic issue, yeah. right? People, the studios, the networks, they have built their business plans based off of, you know, white leading men. Yeah, right. And like they're trying to shoehorn every, you know, women included, minorities included, they're trying to shoehorn all of us into the system, into that formula that has worked before and it when it doesn't they're like, well, I, why why are we trying to change the the formula? Yeah. Right? And I think I've gone to the point where I realize I'm like, okay, like I I shouldn't force myself into their system. I just have to create my own. Mm. Right? Every filmmaker essentially is creating their own industry and that's what we have to do we have to create a demand for the content that we make and 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 that's when you can really enact change you can't wait for you know there's a moment where i was when i realized i'm like man i'm just waiting for like some jewish guy in la to write chinese stories like i shouldn't want that yeah you know even if they like their allies and they're like i shouldn't Wait for them to do it because, like, I don't want to put them in that position.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. We should kind of learn and teach our own community how to tell our own stories. We have so many stories that we're that like we haven't told yet. That you know, and we, and we have to learn. We have to practice. We have to make mistakes. So you know, to your point, if if it feels like we can't fail, then how do we learn? Yeah. If we have to be a, a, like a hundred percent batting average, and you know, your straight white guy ha- can succeed at thirty. Like they're gonna win every time. Yeah. Right. So like crazy rich Asians was a huge pivotal point for the Asian community because like everyone knew at that moment, like if this movie doesn't do well, it's like going to go the opposite way for us. Yeah. Right. It did our, you know, we have, there's like three organizations that popped up from that movie. Opening weekend, six Asian-led projects got greenlit because of the opening of that oh, film. My gosh, that's right, huge. It made such a big difference. And, and if it
0: failed, they would have been like, okay, it, well, these projects are not yeah. happening and they're never going to happen. So,
1: I mean, like in, in the Asian community in Hollywood, we there's pre-Crazy Rich Asians, post-Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then we have, you know, um, everything everywhere all at once, yep. right? And yet at the same time that that's happening... Because it's it's like it's heartbreaking, um, because you know on on one hand we have you know on the big screen that kind of success and yet the hatred the acts of hatred against you know Asian Americans Asian Canadians, you know continues. Um, I know that even uh, last year when um, uh, Amanda Sum uh, released her music video for Different Than Before. I, I I was an ex- associate producer on it. Oh. Uh, directed by Mayumi Ushida. Yeah. Um, you know, starred like all these like you know huge huge names from you know the uh,
1: Time Oh, Chen, Time yeah, Olivia
0: yeah. Chang. Is such was in it even, um, and uh, and um, Amanda's mom. But even <laughs> I, I, we're friends, me and Linda from way back. Um, but you know, the day that that like we had our big premiere, uh, there was an elderly. Um, chinese man was severely beaten in vancouver's chinatown you know and in a clear act of of hatred like what kind of connection you know do you see like let's be even more explicit between it you know between like what's going on in hollywood and you know what's you know what has been happening you know the last few years i mean definitely since you know i mean Granted, if you're BIPOC in this country, you're like, oh yeah, it's always been there. Uh-huh. But you know, the it's become even more audacious, I would say, since Trump, and then you know, you know, since COVID.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think, it, I mean, for the Asian community, we revere our elders, right? To the point where, like, if you see any old Asian lady or man, like, get, I don't know, a- any sort of way, like, it just it feels like it's your your own grandfather, yeah. your own grandmother, um, and and it's unsettling, right? Yeah. So I I think. Hollywood's, uh, I mean, I mean it all comes down to, like, to the media and, like, what's the narrative out there? And, like, certainly Trump has kind of steered it a certain way and there's a lot of misinformation out there and people are just, you know, they're, they're reacting. Yeah. That's it. Like, I, I don't know if there's much thought to it, but, like, if you have pent-up frustration, you have no other outlet, and someone is pointing a direction and you're like, that makes sense, and you're going off on it, then... I get it, but I, I I don't agree with that. I don't agree with you know generally like lashing out at a random strangers even if they have nothing to do with it, um, and I mean it, it's something that I think we're we we all face as humans. Like if I take um, the China Chinese and Japan relations, mm-hmm. right. They had terrible relations for a while. And like when I was living there, there there are a lot of Chinese people that just flat out hated Japanese people. It didn't matter what they did. I'm like, well, they not they're not part of any of this stuff. Oh
0: my God. and it's so like I it's so funny to me sometimes when I look at these labels that are created to describe certain groups, yeah. you know, where it's like Asians. Do you know how many cultures there are? Like, so apparently, many. we're the same kind of Asian, <laughs> but we're not, you know, and even like, you know, no. within like, you know, the, the, like, with like, you know, Filipinos, Koreans, I Japanese, know. Chinese, Thai, Malaysia, there's so many different, you know, within that, there are different, like, I, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's this massive, part of the world with this magic, you know, majestic tapestry of so many different colors, right? Yeah. You know, so like co- like colors of cultures, not colors of I people. Think- I'm not racist, okay, <laughs> damn.
1: <laughs> I, I think it's easy to generalize and in a subject this sensitive, I think it's lazy, mm. right? Because you, yeah, they're, I mean, just just thinking of Asia, there. like, when you think of Asia, most people think East Asian, yeah. right? Which is Chinese, Japanese, Korean right but that is three out of more countries than i know
0: i think there's like 30
1: probably countries. right like, it like
0: includes like um like afghanistan
1: i i think yeah central asia
0: central asia yeah
1: yeah that's great like, there's a lot
0: <laughs> there's so many
1: right and like even look at like southeast asia who i think gets the the most flack, you know mm. and like indonesia for example they are the fourth largest country in the world yeah people Probably don't realize that they have, they're probably going to catch up to the United States in population fairly soon. They are one of the biggest emerging markets in the world. Wow. Right. It's like, there's so much in Asia and Southeast Asia that we do not know. And I think part of that is, I don't know, perception, education. Like, actually, there is this thing. I mean, I think Canada is less guilty of this, but um, I don't know if you know this, but in America, when they teach the world geography, they have... Uh, they have this map, and in the map, Australia is like this tiny little thing in the corner, and of course, America's dead center, right? This, you know, they are the sun of this universe, wow. and um, and most Americans are kind of shocked when they realize that Australia is like the same size as America. Is it really? Yeah,
0: I didn't know that. I mean, because I look at the map, I see the map that. Right. I mean, even if it's not the map that I'm looking at, has like a America dead center. And they
1: do this because, like, when we're studying, you know, like our, you know, I didn't learn American history or whatever. Yeah. I'm learning the Canada history, right? They, they're just trying to like make or as, that As a America bit calls
0: us, America's hat.
1: Yeah, yeah. America's <laughs> hat. We're really a really good-looking hat. Yeah, right? it's like good. a wizard's hat. Um, but we're we're just like we're so fixated on our own stuff that we do not look or think about elsewhere yeah and i think when we're yeah when we're at the center of our own universes like how how do you be empathetic how do you be sympathetic Mm. and i think it starts with like okay do some work right if it's something as sensitive as this to the point where you really like feeling these strong feelings like stop generalizing because like one you're you're outnumbered and two you're just wrong right so like I think everyone needs to educate themselves on on all of these issues because they're they're so complex. yeah, and it's certainly no one on our side here that is to blame, right? Why are you hating you know each other like I wasn't a fan of the Holocaust. I'm not going to hate German people because of it. and in fact, I, I love German people. Yeah. Germany is one of my favorite countries, right? But like if you're going down that path, it's just like, what what do we do? right? like mm. you there's no one in this planet that you do not have. Like a beef against because we've all been part of some culture that has done some horrendous thing at some point.
0: Oh my gosh. Some of the worst. Uh, What has been, you know, a project that you have worked on uh, or a a set that you have stepped onto where you have felt the most um, either like safe? Or seen, or heard, or what uh, appreciated, whatever, really nourished and nurtured <laughs> as an Asian Canadian performer or artist. You um, know, and like I like and. Yeah. What, like, <laughs> cause I'm curious, or did you, was it one where you had to create it for yourself?
1: Uh, you know what? I was very fortunate to work on a a movie called Worth the Wait, um, just like two three months ago, and it was it's oh. Asian American love. Actually, um, it, it's the first time I've worked with like a a fully Asian cast on on a project at this scale, and it was. I mean, it was such a joy to be around it, you know, it was an ensemble cast, but like, and everyone was treated as equals. And it was the first time where they, you know, they're kind of like scheduling and like moving things around to kind of aid performance, right? We're like able to explore a scene thoroughly in ways that I'm just not used to because it's, you know, it's just been so long when I've had a director like, okay, like, how do we make this better? How do we like... What can I do to help you get to the part where you wanna well to the place where you wanna be for this scene? Yeah. Right. And it was just really cool to have that kind of um care into a project like this. So it, you know, it's a rom com, but I'm I'm very excited for this thing. And it it felt really nice. It like we didn't have a, a bad egg in 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 the group, right? It was um so it was with Lana Condor and Russ Butler, Sun Kang. Oh, Andrew my gosh. Koji, um Koji, Karina Lam, Ellie D. Young. It was like this massive, massive cast. Yeah. Ricky Hay, also Vancouver, um, Ali Whitney, uh, Fumiko. It was just a great group of people that that was fun to hang out with on and off set. And then when we were on set, we were just like excited with the stuff we were doing in Offset. You know, a lot of people were from out of town, so we just got to hang out. Like, it, it was great. Wow. Yeah.
0: So what do you, I, I'm sorry, we're going all over the timeline right now, um, which I love. <laughs> but some people are like, it's can find it very dizzying. But you know, what, what do you think that, you know, the the younger version of yourself, you know, who was like having, like struggling to find a place and to be seen and, and you know, to find a footing. You know, what do you think that that version of Osric would think of, you know w- arrive in, in that moment of of your life where you're on this on the set with all these people who are like you know beautiful talented you know Asian American Asian Canadian actors you know what what do you think that that version of you would think of not just the life you've built you know for yourself but this the way that the industry can be and has moments of being now
1: ah that's interesting i mean Osric
0: of old would you old Osric. Oh, young,
1: but young young Osric. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> of yeah. old olden times. <laughs> I mean, one, he'd just be shocked that he's on a set, because yeah. like that's a cool thing. He'd be shocked that there were a lot of Asians that are actors and quite successful at that. Like that, I think, would be like such a novelty. It's like, whoa, what what kind of like weird world are we in? Mm-hmm. Um, because most of those names, except for Sung, I think you know they all made their careers you know in the last decade yeah like not before then right so these are all like new faces new names that we can kind of now build projects around right and by virtue of them doing projects there are probably going to be other people that look like them and i mean and that's very exciting for the community like if i'm thinking like macroeconomics of of movie making and, and television shows like that's what it means to me Young Osric would not understand any of this stuff. He would be very overwhelmed. He would probably find mom at some point because she'd have a snack pack ready.
0: (laughs) I mean, I assume that when I'm like a much older mother and my child is my age, I will still have food ready for my child at all times. My mom
1: still has food ready for yeah for, <laughs> okay. for present day <laughs> for actually old Osur. Are you getting hangry? Getting hangry? Here you go. Here you go.
0: Um and you know maybe speaking speaking to that kind of you know the the idea of having an outside person looking in, although in that case it's kind of like an inside person yeah. from the outside looking in. Anyway, it's time travel. Just <laughs> just go with it. Just go with it. But you know what what is some of the feedback that that you've heard over the years, you know, from fans of all the different work that you've done, you know, that has really touched you specifically from, you know, your BIPOC fans, but perhaps Asian, American, Asian, Canadian fans, you yeah. know, because that must be, that's kind of like hearing from you from the, from the past, or at least the other side of the screen. It is,
1: you know, and I I, I used to think that acting was the most selfish thing I could be doing and I was like I'm like I don't know if I like like the idea of just like running into the spotlight and like that being the thing that I do like
0: mm, interesting and, I've and never it, heard it described that way
1: I mean again old old Osric had very specific views and he, and I like it, it took a while to kind of reconcile that you know but I still enjoyed doing it and I just again it felt very selfish and it wasn't until I started meeting like people who had seen work that I've done, and and a lot of them that are Asian would tell me like, "Hey man, just so you know, I started doing this thing because I saw you in it, and I now knew it was possible." Yeah. Right. And there's something so moving and touching about that. I'm like, holy. Okay. Uh all right. Uh, this is what I know. This is what I think you could probably do if you're in this situation. Maybe you know, and then I I just like wanted to offer like advice and and just like tips on, on how they could succeed because like it was really exciting. I'm like, oh, there can be more of us. Yes, I want more of us to exist. Yeah. Right. And and it kind of gave me like a purpose, right? And then like all of a sudden, like, oh, I can be part of the change. I can inspire people to do these things yeah. like in a very selfish way I can build up our industry because it'll it'll make it easier for me to like cast people in my own stuff when I'm looking yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well it's building up the family, building up the community and 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 doing, you know, what you were almost kind of expecting the people, you know, older than you, you know, to you know bringing people That's along right. reaching down which yeah. is why I moved away from the microphone but I was like <laughs> reaching down and,
1: and lifting, I mean, lifting I will, people up I will climb as high as I can and I will drag as many people as I can up and if they can surpass me hope like maybe they'll drag me up at some point right yeah and so I, I think I, I It's legacy. It
0: creates legacy, right? Yeah. It's not nepo babies. It's no. just you know family.
1: No, because no, I don't need I don't need anyone to work under me, right? Like ideally, yeah, you all surpass me, and then you do the things, and then it'll make it easier for me to do my thing too. Yeah. Like it. it j- there's like we have to create room for ourselves. Right, and I think well, the, it's not
0: like it's maybe maybe we need to stop thinking like vertically yeah. and stop start thinking horizontally. You know, horizontal, like, I like bringing that. people instead of us standing alone, we bring more people around us, I and then we're so. stronger. We just solved everything. There you this That's is a real the puzzle. puzzle.
1: We were looking at it from the wrong direction. That's I just weak. had to tilt my head sideways.
0: Wow, wow. <laughs> so a few months ago, I had um an actress. Uh, her name is Sonita Henry on the podcast. Uh, she is um like my. Myself, uh mixed heritage, but um and also like myself, uh oh god, I hate these words together because they're often used in entertainment, but ethnically ambiguous Uh. and so you know she she started her career her first role was uh in fifth element um you know as a playing like the the aide to the president and you know and then she's done a lot of um a lot in the sci-fi sphere since then and she talked said that you know because so back in the this is like you know the late 90s and early aughts um saying you know that uh she found a good home especially at the beginning in sci-fi in genre mm-hmm. because it was like because you know in in like procedurals and stuff they couldn't quite figure out where to to put her <laughs> yeah. you know and and there and there's a certain look that a lot of the shows especially american shows you know network shows um in that kind of like the crime and the health and all that kind of stuff, uh, they that she didn't didn't fit, and so but in sci-fi it was like oh you're ethnically ambiguous you're like a person from the future you know and kind of going back to you know the uh, very revolutionary at the time you know Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek where oh we have multicultural <laughs> we have <laughs> we have people from many different races we're the future this is our our dream so and I guess all of that is to say like you know when you were I mean because I'm looking at look, scrolling your you know, especially the, the early part of your IMDB, you know, and like right up until, you know, like Kevin and stuff, Kevin Supernatural, you know, you've, you seem to do have done a lot of genre stuff, you know, sci-fi. I think I saw some horror in there, too. Um, did, did you find like that you you found a home in the genre world, you know, earlier, you know, because the directors or casting producers, whatever, had a different mindset. So tell me about that.
1: Um, I love genre. Um, it, Me too, clearly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <We laughs> Look at my office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think, I mean, if you think about just in the sci-fi world in the future, yeah, it makes sense. Unless like people are really trying hard to have like purebred humans, like people are social creatures. We're going to intermingle and at some point people are just going to be
0: intermingle he means uh sex and procreation yeah
1: obviously (laughs) but like you're gonna get to know all these different and then like the culture and then everyone will be mutts of some kind unless again you're at you know like if you think of like dog breeding like you have to be a very specific breeder who like okay these dogs don't hang out with any other types because we don't want because they're gonna wanna yeah but we don't want that we want a bunch of inbreds and then they all end up looking the same and they have back problems and stuff um but Humans are less like that, not entirely, but less like that. And so, like the future in my head, yeah, it makes sense. That's logical, right? So I think it's it's revolutionary to have like, was it Battlestar Galactica or or was it Firefly where they're like swearing in Chinese because you know they saw. The- oh,
0: that was Firefly.
1: That was Firefly, yeah. right? So they they saw the trends. They're like, oh, like China's kind of blown up, and at some point they're gonna probably have a huge influence, right? And yeah. they made so. Everyone's sworn Chinese. Yeah. Right. That's the future. We can imagine these trends continuing in that direction. And that's what it points to. Um, so genre is genre is fun. I, I think from a producing standpoint, it is a it's something that sells on on its own merit. Yeah. Right. Dramas, period pieces are are tough, right? They're they're almost like prestige vanity projects for the most part where you need a star that wants to like explore this thing and therefore that name brings brings all of that together yeah but like for the up-and-coming independent producer like what do you have right horror is an easy sell because you don't need any names to sell that and if you execute well then you have a chance of making the next paranormal activity yeah right same with uh thrillers same with action movies um i think sci-fi and fantasy if you're depending on which way you skew, like you also have that chance because you put that question mark in people's heads and they want to know what happens mm. right I think it's it's hard to like get people invest like we're we're at a a day and age where it, like attention is currency right like how do you get people's attention? And if you don't have any recognizable names and faces and it, it's it comes down to familiarity. I was looking at this study about like, who people think are attractive and the people who are most attractive, they kind of like, it came down to like, Oh, these are the faces that they're most familiar with. Like, mm. that's why it's attractive. It's not, you know, the standard of beauties because they've seen more of those types of faces in media. Yeah. Right. Or in, you know, wherever that's just what people find attractive is the, the content they consume. Right. So like we're, if we're as consumers looking at all these projects and you can choose and like, okay, this is about, you know, a very specific situation in a marriage. And it's like, okay, that's cool. Right. It's like, oh, this is like zombies killing. I know vampires. And you're like, I don't know what that means, but I'm kind of curious to find out. (laughs) Right. Like just, but like you don't need to know any names. Like you're going to probably skew that way. Even if it sounds so stupid, it's just like, well, I, just need to scratch that itch because, like, that it's so ridiculous. Why would it's like, zombies
0: kill vampires? Yeah, I'm. I'm just saying, like, zombies kill. I'm sorry, <laughs> I have questions. Question mark. I have questions. So there's the thing. Yes, that's why I will always. Yeah. I will always pull the thread. But that's
1: why genres. Yeah. That's why we love genres because sometimes when they do it well, then it, then it ends up in your trophy case around your wall.
0: I love you describing it as a trophy case because, like, so for people who <laughs> this is your first time to the podcast, scroll down my, any one of my, either of my instas, you will see I have this glass case that's filled with the toys of my childhood, which includes like all my Star Trek yeah. The Next I love Generation that you have figures. Nighttime. Yeah. of of course I do. I love good Nightwing. Choice. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I have all my Smurfs and I love the idea that like, you know, I've, I I captured all these Smurfs and now they're in my trophy case. What I find interesting though about what you said uh, is, you know, because I'm going to pick that bone with you now um, about your, the short film that you've written in the last couple of years, Good News, uh, featured some friends of the podcast. Um, very, uh, it's it's not genre. Uh, it, it's I mean it's drama. It's, it's comedy. Drama. It's um it's like a a punch to the gut. It's yeah. it's about relationships, you know. But I think what was, you know, I I watched it and I I was thinking like there's so many things, especially somebody who's gone through pregnancy. I won't give spoilers, but I will include a link to uh, to the film in the footnotes for this episode. Um, what what I found interesting about watching it though, it didn't actually occur to me until like after I had watched it that like, oh, yeah, these are Asian Canadian, Asian American actors. This isn't a story about them sitting around thinking about like, I I talked to Kashif Pasta about this recently, but I was like, because <laughs> like we are capable of us as BIPOC people are capable of like telling more stories, mm-hmm. you know, than just us sitting around having an identity crisis, right? Yeah. Like there's, there is an identity crisis in it, but it has nothing to do with eth- ethnicity, no. you know, very well. I mean, it's so well written, so well acted, so well directed, think, yeah. uh, you know, even though like sometimes I have a hard time getting into the story that are, um, that feature people that I know, you know, or I'm like like trying to think like, you know, uh, I didn't even think about the fact that I knew them. I was like, I logged it and then I'm like, oh, and then she's this and then that's that and then, oh my God. So tell me about what, you know, why you chose to tell this particular story. It's a story about um, a newlywed couple uh, that um, discovers that they're pregnant and they both have kind of a different reaction to it. And um, all is not as it seems, uh, but, you know, it's very... Um, in a lot of ways, really raw, you know, like really raw emotions, um, and uh, yeah, my all my coworkers saw me cry again. Like, oh God, Sabrina's crying in in her office again. <laughs> Why was this the story you wanted to tell, and what does this tell us about the kind of stories that you want to tell moving forward?
1: Um, I mean, for me, it was an exercise in directing. I've I've Ooh. thought of directing for a while, and you know, it was kind of one of those things like, ah, you know what, I should just try it, right? Like. Um, Well, my agent called me. He's like, "Hey, give me your director's reel." I'm like, "I don't." I'm like, "I'm a producer. I write. I don't really direct yet." And then, and then that led me to thought. I'm like, "Ah, okay, maybe I should direct." All right, I should just do it. I I have been thinking about it, but I'm not a director. But you know what? Why not? And Mm. so I wrote out a thing, and and I, I just wanted to keep it simple, like very simple, because I didn't want you know. I do love genre, and as much as I would want to do Sorry, genre. Sorry, I
0: just furrowed my brow, because I'm married to a director, and I know, like, simple would have been... Two actors, one location. Yeah, I know. You had I,
1: more than you. I know it. It is. It, it didn't. But but I was so new, right? That I didn't. I didn't even think of it. You like, thought it
0: was simple because it didn't have like so many visual effects shots exactly. or anything.
1: Like yeah. honestly, we did four locations in three different cities in two days. So like it, it was anything but simple. Uh, and
0: that's crazier than crazy. Uh, I eights. know.
1: We went, we went like we, we went to North Van and then like White Rock and then Vancouver. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. So we had two location moves both days and it, I mean it, it worked out but like story-wise I want to keep it simple. I didn't want to have to do with yeah visual effects. I didn't want to have to do with makeup or anything. I just want to like practice telling a story and yeah. I had very strong feelings about children at the time mm. and I, you know, I, I'm like, yeah, I don't want kids. Parents stop pressuring me to have kids Yeah, and I was just trying to uh, I was kind of like brainstorm, like, okay, what, in what world would I maybe consider wanting to have kids? What yeah. does that look like? And I just, that's the thought that led me to that moment where I'm like, whoa, that I'm feeling something. What is this feeling that that is happening in my in my chest right now? And I I just kind of work backwards from that, yeah. right? Like, how do I share that feeling that I'm feeling with this thought to an audience? And that's kind of where it started,
0: wow. And, um, I can imagine because I know this this film has screened uh, at a few festivals, yeah,
1: premiered at Austin uh, Film Festival. yeah, and and
0: were these in-person screenings, or were they Zoom or was it a mix? Or? they
1: were, but I couldn't. I was so busy that I couldn't make any of the. I should no! i I wanted to make the Austin one because Austin's like, Austin's like the festival for screenwriters. Um, yeah. I know. And I was, I, I wanted to make it, my producing team went. Um, I The only one I made was the Vancouver Asian Film Festival because it was Great the last festival. one and it's in my backyard. So it was a lot easier to make that one. Yeah. Um, and And it was cool just to see the audience, you know, and because I didn't act in it, it was the first time I'm like, oh my God, this is the director's performance, right? Mm-hmm. Like sitting in the audience, watching everyone's reactions. Like this is... This is how that feels. Like I, so I had, I, pro, I was probably more nervous about that than like anything I've ever performed in. Yeah. So it, it was very interesting. And, you know, for me, it was like a, a learning experience. I I definitely want to explore that more. I, I learned a lot of, of it lessons. Feel,
0: can I just say though, like it didn't feel like a learning uh, experience. It felt like, and like i and I'm all. I always ask people about the lessons that they learned. But sometimes when people are like, "Oh, I was like trying to learn something," and and you can see because you know it's like it's like when my daughter's like, "I'm trying to make lasagna," and then I I look at the lasagna and I'm like, "Oh gosh, do I have to eat that?" Because <laughs> it's a learning experience. I don't know if it's cooked all the way through. This was cooked all the way through. Oh. You know.
1: Well, yeah, I appreciate. It. I, I think the when. I, <sighs> When I try to do something, I always try to like, okay, what's the best in the world, right? And it's a really hard standard to hold yourself to. This is like, in my opinion, this is nowhere near that, right? And so when I think learning experience, like I just have to go through the thing. And then like on the second time around, I have to make sure that every choice that I make is actually considered that like points towards the story. I was so new technically when I was doing good news that I just, I could not even think of like, okay, you know, camera should be like this like lighting should be this right this you know all of these things that could like make you feel even more of that thing at the end whatever that is if you watch it you'll find out um every decision you make should kind of emphasize those moments
0: i'm sorry it sounds like they are um there are like transformers fighting outside because uh, we're not in the soundproof room, <laughs> but it's like it's just extra noisy This is right Vancouver.
1: Now. This is a you know? YVR <laughs> podcast. You're going to get some real Vancouver sounds.
0: Exactly. And we have listeners in like Helsinki, you know, That's and amazing. in Manila and everywhere. So you're hearing Vancouver that is right a-
1: now garbage disposal unit yeah on granville
0: island (laughs) um okay we're gonna jump around a little bit uh because i mentioned um well first of all your iconic look uh but also the fact you won a leo award uh for the work that you did uh on blood and water in blood and water um Again, not a genre piece, but still like very much. Um,
1: kinda, it was like a murder mystery thriller almost. It,
0: it was it uh, really uh, exciting. Yeah. Um I I bit my nails down and I've worn acrylics ever since. Um, but you know <laughs> yeah. the what did it mean to you to win that award that night? You know, first of all, you were there with Brianna, right? Because I, I think I did meet you because you were with Brianna, and yes. I was like. You look so amazing. <laughs> br- just describe what you were wearing first of all, because uh, I'm like I it's it, it, I, I can't I, words. Fit. I was looking for a photo this morning. I couldn't find. Right. I didn't think I took a photo, but I'm gonna look to see like someone else. But you just yeah. like, sh- I, yes.
1: I was wearing an Emma Saval one of a kind hand painted acrylic dress. So it it was literally a work of art. It kind of looks like dragon scale armor, but uh yes. but like a but my my legs are a little bit bigger so it was kind of like a, a mini skirt length maybe a little bit lower above the knees um Brianna came as courage it was this okay the story behind this is kind of crazy so this was the one and only time I ever kind of like had a disagreement with my with my reps right I've been with them for, like, I mean, still to this day, like 30 years now almost.
0: Who are you with?
1: Um, Andrew Wee um, from Echelon. He's incredible. Like, I owe my entire career to him. Um, I take his advice on everything. And this was the one time where I, I... We... You know, he had a couple of other clients going, and you know, he emailed me like, "Hey, Osric, like, what's uh, you know, what are you gonna wear, uh, you know, for the Leos? Um, you know, like so and so is wearing Christian Dior, so and so is wearing you know Armani or whatever." And I had just flown back into Vancouver. I had not like, totally slipped my mind. I'm like, "Oh man, I left my suit in L.A." I'm like, "Maybe I'll just wear the dress," um, <laughs> as a joke, right? And he responds like. Osric, do not wear a dress, all caps. I'm like, whoa, maybe he's got strong feelings about this, right? And I just didn't, like, think about, like, I didn't really think about it. I'm like, huh, like, Andrew's very progressive. Like, he's not, like, you know, I'm surprised, actually. And then uh, after a couple of days, I'm like, I wasn't actually gonna wear a dress, but now I feel like I have to. Yeah. And there's a bit of that contrarian in me that like if you tell me I can't do something and I don't agree with the reasons, I almost have to do it. Yeah. Right. And so I just started going dress shopping. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm wearing a dress to the Leo Awards. And I'm like, well I don't I don't wanna you know I was just like thinking, I'm like how do like I don't wanna make fun of the Leo Awards or anything. I'm not trying to make light of the situation. I'm like, I just wanna wear a dress and look good in it, in the in the same way that a girl might wear a, a suit and look really good in it. And
0: you did, no, and like, and uh, please continue your story in a moment. But the thing about the dress, um, I mean, it was the whole look. It didn't. It wasn't like um, some like it hot, you know. Like, oh, I'm, you know, like it, there was no making fun, you know. It was. It, it empowering and powerful, and also like doing the challenging what we expect from gender norms, which has become since then, you know, Harry Styles, and um, yes. we see a lot more of it now. But you know, back then, although in my mind it was yesterday, but it was twenty sixteen. <laughs> it was a different time. It, it, it was, yeah. yeah.
1: And so, so what happens is I, I'm um, I get a call from my manager, and um, he's a like, Osric, What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I was in the changing room of a dress store. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, I am fitting for a dress right now, Mm -hmm. and he's like, okay, he's like, hold on, and he looped in like my my agents in LA, my like my PR uh, team, and he's like, okay, so like you just gotta know, like uh, like we're very progressive, like we understand, like why but just so you know like not everyone is that way and like bc is not necessarily the most progressive place and like you know this might turn off a lot of people from like wanting to work with you and i i sat with that for a second and i'm like i don't know if i would be okay with working with them either if this is their view on this right yes and like we got into like a 45 minute argument in like i'm halfway into a dress in this dressing room and my i had a stylist outside again i was taking this seriously I this is still the most expensive piece of clothing i own um and you still own it i do. can i, do. I borrow
0: it um no <laughs> <If you want. laughs> uh, so it's beautiful
1: yeah like the conversation ends he's like okay like you like you know we're not going to tell you what to do at the end of the day just know that we we don't agree with them we're gonna have to do a lot of damage control like and we'll just be ready for that, right? And Damage so like control. and and you know I'm thinking I'm like oh, why would I put my reps in that position? I don't want to do that to them. But I step out of the this stall and um and my stylist is there. It's like just so you know, I'm not going to charge you for the 45 minutes because like I you know I stand by you, and I'm, get, I'm getting emotional just thinking about this part. But it's like there's this little girl that I was just talking to, or her mom came up to me, and um. And it comes back to like those, those people that, you know, tell you like how big of a change you made in their lives. She's like, she wasn't going to go to prom because um, she wanted to wear a suit and, and she didn't think she could. But she saw you fitting this dress and, and her mom's like, she just came up to me and told me that she was going to go now. and it was like that moment i'm like okay i'm 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 fully in yeah right i i i can't not do it now and so like i i got like a whole makeup hair team and and i and i, and I did it and i i was like so nervous cuz i was just thinking of like the potential backlash and all these things um and i asked brianna i'm like hey brianna like which like what do you think about like coming with me i could use some like courage and and of course brianna's super down like yeah. and um and yeah, it was like probably one of the most powerful moments in my life of just like taking that chance and like didn't know what to expect. And turns out it was like incredible. It was a great icebreaker. It was just so easy to talk to people. I had people that worked on every single Leo where it's like, whoa, this is like the first interesting thing that's happened in like the last however many years.
0: You were, I mean, I. I... I remember it years <laughs> later. I remember the look and I I didn't know any of the backstory there. I just wanted yeah. to talk about the uh, wow. I and heard. then I
1: won and that was even cooler. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, well, that's awesome. And you know, it was yeah. just like the icing on the cake. And I, you know, I I remember writing <laughs> writing out my speech and like with all of those thoughts in my head. And like blood and water was one of those things where like no one thought it should happen. It didn't make sense. It was, you know, they didn't have enough money. It was an all Asian cast. That's never happened and I'm like what? And it was
0: trilingual yeah. as well,
1: right? And my my opinion is always like, well, if it doesn't exist then like why not be the first? Why not? Why not do it? I don't I'm not here to follow in the footsteps of anybody else, yeah. right? If I happen to great, but I'm also not afraid to be the first if I believe that's the thing that should be done. Wow. And I think that's the thing that has kind of led me to where I am today. Um, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes because of it, but it's, I've also learned a lot of lessons and I've, I've gotten better and smarter and everything that I've done because of that.
0: Yeah. So looking back at that night, then what's the lesson that you learned about yourself and about maybe your instincts, you know, that, that you learned from, you know, that moment. And I don't think people, maybe they know this people who aren't in the industry might not understand, like, you know, People want representation and agents in the team, you know, because like it's also you're benefiting from, you know, people who've been doing it longer, you know, that you're you might you're putting a lot of faith in their hands. And in some ways it's like, you know, you might defer to what they what they say, you know, it requires an act of courage, I think, you know, to to speak up and speak against, you know, the power, that power, that experience, the there and i love that you're still with them you know so cl- clearly like you know there's there's trust and there's a mutual respect you know but what did you learn about yourself from that entire experience i i think with this phenomenal look and you can find a photo of it <laughs> on the instagram the
1: the lesson from that experience was that i i need to and and it's it's a lesson that i have to remind myself to this day like i should always do things out of love and not avoid doing things out of fear yeah Right. Because I I think it's so easy to be overwhelmed by like the fear of what might happen. Right. And we have a negativity bias as humans. So we avoid all these things. And, you know, sure, you do the thing, the thing that you feared might happen, but you almost never think of the good things that might happen too. And you, you can't even conceive of what that might be. And so you go and you jump off a cliff, and it turns out like, there was a parachute waiting for you Hmm. right like you don't know and that thing might lead you to that next adventure that you've been wanting your whole life and i think for me like i always want to give myself that chance to kind of discover what that might be
0: yeah wow this is why i love this podcast because i had no idea we were gonna
1: we were gonna go yeah neither
0: did i um what is an Osric Chow role? Like, what needs to be present in a role in a character description in some sides, you know, to get you as an actor, like really excited, really engaged?
1: I, I mean, at this stage, like I, I'm not even like so focused on acting. like i I don't mind acting. Um but I, I think I've learned that I just enjoy storytelling right and it could be any genre and i because i'm thinking so much on the producing and directing side like for me if i read a character and i'm like oh i understand what they're trying to do and i understand how i could make this really effective in terms of like the story that we're trying to tell yeah i will play that character in that way and for me like again it's a puzzle and i enjoy that um if i'm thinking like for myself i want to i want to do an action thing before i can't because you know i have a very big like foundation in, in martial arts i was uh, oh, you do? yeah i was on the canadian national team for wushu my first breakout role was because i could do my own stunts and then like since then i've done nothing so i'm like ah okay i do want to do one With
0: all of that and it's just there
1: i know so i'm like <laughs> i just want to do it one more time before my body breaks down maybe if but I, at the same time like i I just want to tell good stories. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, some things you you do for a paycheck, you do for the you know, for the community, but at the end of the day, like if I can help tell good stories, um doesn't matter what genre, doesn't matter what character, you know, I I could I could be a one-liner character in a really good story and I would still be happy. Yeah. Right? If we're able to tell that story and I was able to like do my part in it, right? So like for me, I see the machine and yeah, acting is one it's an important cog but it's just one cog in that thing yeah and so i think i i enjoy the producing a lot more because i can kind of help shape the whole thing in a way that makes sense to me
0: Ooh, love that um i would be remiss if i didn't mention kevin tran uh if this section makes it into the podcast it's because we've determined that it is OK by SAG-AFTRA strike rules to talk about Kevin and Supernatural. Yeah, because
1: we stand in solidarity with SAG. Like, yes, we're Canadians, yes, we're UBCP, but they are compadres. And yeah, I mean, I am also SAG, technically.
0: Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> I am SAG, I am SAG. And um, I, am, I am all labor relations all the time. Yeah. I, my great-grandfather actually um, started one of the first unions in what? Quebec. And then my grandfather, whose name I literally have tattooed, his, his signature I tattooed on my wrist, he was a union agitator. An Whoa. enforcer back in the days, like <laughs> when they'd go on strike, and like they would, like he I, he caused some shit Whoa. for the union. So um, if we, I mean, if if this gets cut, nobody hears this part. <laughs> Because we've just decided that we're not going to take the chance, but yeah. I do have to say, um, Kevin was really important to me because I, I feel like I went on such a journey. I watched like a baj- all the bajillion episodes. Um, we saw Kevin had some great hero moments, and then I saw you die, and then you were a ghost, and then you're a prophet. And There was all this different stuff that happened. Um, but uh, I think I would. What I'd love to hear you talk about. Oh, and. And also, I'd love to have Ozar come back when the strike is over to talk, you know, more at length, maybe about specific <laughs> sure. roles, um, but you know, about what that role m- meant to you within the um, the like fabric of your entire uh, career.
1: I mean that that role changed my life. I'm not. Do you see lie. why we
0: had to mention it? Yeah, right, because it I, was a life changer.
1: Because I, I I didn't I didn't even know of the show Supernatural. Like to me, it was a job. Right, it was a job for another show that shot in Vancouver. I was kind of like bouncing between Beijing and LA at the time, and I kind of like stopped over in Vancouver for a week. And my agent was like, "Hey, got a producer director session for you." Um, I'm like, "But I'm flying to LA on that day to for a callback on this like really cool pilot for a series regular." And they're like, "Yeah, but it's a producer director session. You should really, you know, consider it." it was $600 to change the ticket for a day. And I'm like, that was all the money in my account. I'm like, ah, and they're like, you really should. I'm like, so I did it. All of a sudden I have a $600 audition and I st- and
0: that was a time that you did listen to them,
1: yeah. Of course, I, <laughs> I mean, uh, most of the time I listened to them, right? Like, they're very smart people. I, I you know, I trust, shout out Andrew. Yeah, I, out I I trust him implicitly, and so like I I did, and I was very worried, and so I'm like, you know, all right, all right, this is now the most expensive audition ever, and I you know ran it like a hundred times, got in the room, did it, like felt pretty good about it. Um, ben Edlin was in the room, um, and you know I was a big fan of his. I'm like, ooh, that's Ben Inlet. He, he created the tick. Um, and then I flew off to LA and I did the other audition callback. That went really well. And, and then by the Saturday, I had gotten offers for both roles. Caveat, they, I could only do one of them because of scheduling conflicts. Also, I had to decide for the sure thing of Supernatural or the maybe bigger thing, but they would decide two days later. And so I'm like, ah, here's a sure thing, like two episode character who will die or a potential series regular. I opted for the series regular. I'm like, look, I've gotten here before, I'll do it again. Even though I have no money in my bank account, I I will bet on myself, right? I'm here for the big fish. And turns out like a week later, they're like, hey, it's the same business affairs person. They don't wanna lose an actor to themselves. So they're gonna work it out, right? Pilot didn't end up going, and oh, superna- I was so
0: stressed out. I was I, like, "How does it work out?" You know how it ends. Knowing how We're it here. ends,
1: <laughs> and so we get there. I film the thing, and you know, I, they they don't kill me on my last episode. I ended up doing three. They didn't kill me. I'm like, What what does that what does that mean?" I'm like, "Does that mean that I'm gonna come back next season?" And like, I don't know. They're just like really coy, about like, well, let's measure you for a wig in case we do. I'm like, okay. And because I I was just about to go to Halo and I Mm, had to shave my head and I was like, hey, I don't know if like what you guys are planning. Yeah. But I'm just, you know, I have to shave my head pretty soon. And so they measured my head and, and then they kept me on. For way longer than I thought, it and is
0: so many things too. So many <laughs>
1: things, right? And over six seasons, it turned out, and they, you know, they they killed me, and I thought it was over, and then they brought me back, and
0: devastated then, when you died. What a death! I know. Too. I had three deaths. Yeah, so, right. You're saying the first one, <laughs> so, The first one was intense.
1: <laughs> yeah, the first one was bad, and it, it caught me off guard because, like, by that time, I was kind of comfortable. I'm like, "All ah, right, I'm sticking around." Um, so you made back your six hundred bucks. Uh, yeah, I did. A little, I bit. Did. yeah, okay. Um, and and it, and it changed my changed. My life, right? Like I, I I found out this show that existed for like since 2005 had been around. Like, turns out the everyone thought it was ending then, and it wasn't even the halfway point. Yeah. Um, looking back, it was it was crazy. So it it changed my life in ways that I didn't understand. Like all of a sudden, like I went from a working actor to a for sure you're a working actor. You can make a living off of this now. Yeah. right even though i i didn't really realize it at the time like because you know we're we're so insecure we don't know what our future is yeah. we don't know if there's ever going to be a job you know everything could be our last and like you always move forward with that mentality and so all of a sudden like you have fans I didn't even know what that meant I'm like why why do they care about me I'm like I'm this random character on this show that I've never seen right and it it, it like kind of flips your world upside down and they kept warning me like all right when you go to the, the Conventions, it's that's a whole thing. I'm like, Yeah, I'm like, what's okay. I'm like, I've been to like the Comic Cons. Like, is it like that? Turns out Supernatural had their own conventions yeah. and they're like a whole ecosystem. And like, you know, I felt Have you
0: been to one with Brianna?
1: I all? have, I've been and to And you've many. seen her
0: saying and in she's stuff? incredible. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. But like it's this whole ecosystem. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I you know, it it took years of still feeling like the new kid on the block before I, you know, I felt comfortable because I felt like an imposter right like until like maybe you know the last like three four years i still felt like an imposter i'm like i'm one am one of the if not the only minority in this group two i'm like the youngest at least for a while i was the youngest i'm like the baby of this group and i'm the least experienced actor i should not be here and i i kind of carried that mentality for like for years, not knowing how to reconcile that, too. But I was just like, yeah. all right, fake it till you make it. Let's just, you know, learn all the things and, you know, keep working. And hopefully you, you still have a job at the end of the
0: day. Yeah. You know, and you deserved to be there, you deserved to take up space there. Yeah.
1: Well, you learn to. I, was you learn, kinda, I did you, get
0: kind of sick of watching you die by yeah. the end. You know? I mean, but. you learn to
1: find your voice. And, you know, like, yeah, I was really sad about that. And then I'm like, you know what? Like, if Kevin stuck around just doing nothing, I wouldn't want that either. Yeah. Right? So, like, and, you know, looking back, I probably would have done things differently. I would have, like, pitched ideas to the writers. I would have felt more comfortable. But I never felt like it was, you know, my set. You know, yeah. it never felt like it was my right to say anything or like raise any flags i was just happy to be included yeah. right and I, and I think a lot of that comes from i mean insecurity as, a, as an actor insecurity is being like the only minority even though like that was a family the cast and crew are so incredible um that you know was really comfortable by the end of it for sure but you know, I, I still felt like an outsider always. And I think yeah. part of what I want to do moving forward is like, I want to take the lessons that I learned on Supernatural and put it into the next thing. I want to cultivate a family in the way that they did. It was, you know, life changing for not just me, but for like hundreds of people.
0: Yeah. So no regrets then. Absolutely. Not. You know, because you're you have taken something from it and you're going to plant it and. Yep. But they say pay it forward. Pay it forward, yeah. Yeah, you are its legacy. Okay, you're going to come back, right? Yeah. Like, just general, like, not just to talk about supernatural,
1: but like other stuff. I'm in Vancouver. I have every interest in doing Vancouver things. In fact, I'm helping organize an event next at the end of this month called East by Northwest. It's to kind of spur (gasps) investments.
0: I didn't know you were part of East by Northwest. I have Barbara Lee coming on the podcast. There you go. So well, I'm, talk- I'm,
1: I'm helping Barb do the thing because I I agree with what she's trying to do. Yeah, and can I you s-
0: say a little, like give it a little plug and, and then, um Go to the links for this episode and listen to the episode that I'm going to be recording with Barbara the day after tomorrow.
1: <laughs> oh well, perfect. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but in but in the, the time under the podcast, that episode is going to come first.
1: <laughs> I mean, she'll she'll definitely say it better. But uh, from my understanding, she she just wants to support like one like underrepresented communities. Yeah. Two. Productions in Vancouver, we're like the third biggest production hub in the world. Well, certainly in North America, maybe not in the world anymore because it's hard to c- count for China. Um, but in the world, we have some of the best crews in the world, if not the best. This one I i will attest to. We yes. have some incredible infrastructure that is now being underutilized with the CW kind of like sh- shifting and they, yeah. you know, they were sold, so all those CW shows are gone. But we have an incredible amount of infrastructure the talent pool, like on on the acting front and the crew front has gotten so deep. Yeah, we have people infrastructure. We have everything you need. We have incredible tax breaks, a lower, like a very low Canadian dollar that like you get a big bang for your buck. So all of those things lead to Hey, this is a really good place to do business. Also, we have incredible creative talent here that have been underutilized for, you know, the last two decades. Yeah. So why not come here, see what it's like to invest and create your projects here and work with the local creative talents here as well. Wow. And that's what this this is and for like the locals here it's like how do we get our projects up there you know i'm i'm doing a panel i'm going to share my experiences and like how i've gotten to the point of developing some tv shows and like putting some features together i'm about to embark on my fourth feature film and i've learned a lot of lessons from the first three and i i I want people to be able to do it for themselves as well
0: fantastic and I know I've been sending you guys to the footnotes for a lot of things this episode, but please, folks, check out the footnotes for this episode. You'll find links to everything, just everything that Osric's been talking about today. Osric Chow. Sabrina. Thank you so much for being here today. Where can our listeners find you, follow you, celebrate you on the social meds?
1: I'm at Osric Chow. I'm not the most active because I am trying to do so many things. I have posts that I should probably make, but even like Picking a photo and writing captions like it drains me. (laughs) Um, But I also have a studio downtown Vancouver. uh, It's called Tofu Bot Studio. If you want to check out the app. It's
0: called Tofu Bot?
1: Yeah. That's dope. And it's kind of where we go and write and we've been hosting parties and we're going to, you know, I kind of want to do community events. Like the part of the the reason why we got that studio is to kind of host community events to kind of build a community of filmmakers. Um, that we can all we kind of talk. share resources we with. We should
0: talk, right? Yeah, we should uh, talk. TofuBot and Wavier Screen Scene yeah. present. <gasps> we'll talk. Okay, so follow my social media to find out about all these events <laughs> you know, that Ozric and I are going to plan. Um, and yes, thank you for being here. This has been, uh, I've actually wanted to talk to you for many, many years.
1: Oh, I'm glad and, we made uh, it happen. Though.
0: Yeah, we finally made it happen. <laughs> um, okay, and listeners, Thank you for being here today please like subscribe leave us a review if you're so inclined they help us find new listeners and we can have more conversations like the fucking rad one we had today we didn't swear very much did i tell you you could swear uh I'm, I, I'm not sorry. big
1: on swearing I
0: fucking love fucking swearing uh, fucking all the time fuck I'm okay of it, <laughs> you're like no you're okay <laughs> um, okay but don't put that in the review but anyway we yeah it helps us find more listeners and I just want to keep doing this forever um, you can find us at YVRScreenScene.com follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Mastodon and Threads and I just registered a TikTok account I don't use half of those but at Scene and at Sabrina Arf. The Why Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me. See, podcast voices come back. There it yes, is. But there it is. <laughs> Sabrina Rani Mera-Firminger, and it's edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Firminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Firminger d'Avalet for the original music, but in saying this season, I'll say it again, Dane, you are a Firminger to us. Whether you like it or not. Lavera Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! We made
1: a podcast. We made it.
0: (laughs) Hey, filmmakers. Did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced, and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra-low-budget program, which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, visit ubcpactra.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs, or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.